Live from a brand new apocalypse. This is state of the game. Oof. Fresh as a daisy, light on our feet. I'm telling you, I'm not sure how much respect we've garnered in this hip hop community at 175 episodes, but I'm Dan O. I am <laughs> I am guiding this ship uh like Leela on Futurama. And I I do know that the people who work at Target respect me, so that makes me feel great. Um, there we go. <laughs> that's, that's what I need. So, much like, much like the beat that our guest rapped on, my co-host has a certain je ne sais quoi. We're talking about <laughs> Hey Diggy uh, here, fresh every week, um, taking over inch by inch. How are you feeling, sir? Feeling solid. Solid. Man, always. Yeah. So, 175 episodes in, I w- I'm I was so excited to get this going because K, this guest. Well, for let's go. The producer we are talking to today is somebody who tested my headphones this week. Uh, my headphones were crackling mm. because it was too much. Um, it, this is somebody who really every beat I've ever heard, I've never ever thought that's pretty basic. <laughs> There's always a lot going on. Um, and that's really cool for me because I don't have the same background in the type of music that he specializes in. So Tadax is here. Thank you so much. Um you appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. So yeah, our other guest, we're talking about someone who was on episode 41 of State of the Game. Wow. Veteran. 34 episodes ago. You <laughs> I had no idea. Damn. And you were literally the first guest we had that we didn't just know from around town. Um, we had we had you know two guest appearances, nine and seventeen, with the great Cal Gervais, local musician, awesome. Uh, but you know, I worked with the dude, so it's pretty easy to line up. Um, you were the first person that I was like, let's see if you would do this. I had no idea you were supposed to line this up for release dates. You know, I wasn't even <laughs> in that. So I was just like, Hey, fat Tony, would you like to talk about Devin, the dude? And we, we did. Um, so it was, and it was special, you know, like you, in the middle of it, you were like, this is something other people aren't doing. Spending two hours like loving Devin the dude, and I was like, we looked at Kay like we could we could get this going, you know. Mm. You were instrumental to us and our growth. Uh, it's it's one of the five episodes that made us who we are. Um, Dan, it's amazing, man. And I was really bigging y'all up because I think it's hard to get some artists to talk about other artists rather than talk about their own work. Yep. And I think it's more fun when you get to see the fan in all of us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and and there's there's all kind the the under the the underground or hip hop the hip hop universe is like this weird deep forest uh, of legacies, right? It's not just debating Jay Z or whatever. It's there's all kinds of layers to it, and people that should be recognized and. 
um Devin Devin the dude it was it was wonderful to do so and but we you've also made some albums in your own right that have absolutely captivated us um in 2020 it was it pit me versus K because I think K was very exotica focused he loved exotica mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was very wake up I was very Go. Yo, have you heard Wake Up though? You know? Um, so we, you've done a lot of work and a lot of different work. And here's what I will say. Here the end of my intro is you are one of the people who is so unique uh that people can't even successfully copy. I like that. <laughs> I was telling this to Fat Boy Sharif, like that that he's one of those people, and I think you are one of those people as well. Oh, that's my homeboy too. Yeah, yeah. it's the same bucket. Like people who are so themselves, you can't even fuck with the template. Like it's not even on the market. Yeah. Mm. So Fat Tony is here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us, man. And this is the first time that me and Tadex have ever done a podcast together. Ooh. <laughs> I love it. I. I love the energy between you two. Um, and I guess I should start with Tadex because I am dumb in the world of like what I call dance music. <laughs> like uh, it, I'm just dumb at it. I don't know it. I don't know a lot about it, uh, but I really respect. I might be you. dumb too. You no, you're the, the phenom. <laughs> but you, you are able to project lots of different emotional palettes into these songs. Like you can do moody dance music. You can do thoughtful dance music. You can do parties that you can, you have levels to the emotional, you know, background that you'll, you can give to these songs. Uh, Does that make sense? Am I making that up? No, not at all. I mean, I think, the common denominator between me and Tony is we listen to literally like all kinds of music. Mm. Uh, And so whenever we link up, it's just like, what are we feeling today? And we don't, we don't limit ourselves. We, it's like, if we want to make a dance track, we'll do that. If we want to make a acoustic ballad, we'll do that. You know? Um, So we're just down for whatever. We're just music nerds. Oh yeah. That's the real key to like, be a nerd about music to know a lot about music and by nerd i mean like not just like a song or like an artist but you're like curious about who the producer is who the engineer is what year did it come out what label did it come out on what was the legacy of this artist before that record who how did this record really impact music who did it influence like really looking at the whole scope of it yep 100 percent no, that's yeah, and and I was yeah, I was explaining this. I was playing some of these songs for my wife, and I was explaining like how cool what you guys do is. And I think I was like, there's so much going on in these Tadex beats, but Tony just figures it out. Tony, you know, like yeah. you just you just harness this thing and move it. Um, and that that's really. That says a lot about the dexterity of your flow, the ability for you to move and change what you do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah I, I, I really, sorry to cut you off, man. 
I oh, just no, want to ahead. say on, on uh, that point, I really like to find different parts of the beat to, to rap to. Like, am I going to rap to the hi-hat rather than just the kick and snare? Am I going to rap to the rhythm of the bass line? I feel like that's an easy way for me to come up with a different flow or like a different cadence that gets me really geeked to write something good to it. Hmm. That's a great point. And, and the, so do you think when people are online hammering their fists about so-and-so isn't rapping, they're not in a pocket, that that person's just in a pocket they can't hear? Yeah, I don't really care about that. Like there's this Pierre Bourne song I like called Love Reeks. And like the drum pattern is kind of different than what you would really expect from it. And some of the top comments on the YouTube upload are people saying that he put the snare in like the wrong place rather than it just like being like a regular time signature. And for me, it being in a odd place or a place I'm not used to is why I like the song. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot of rappers these days that are rapping either ahead of the beat or behind the beat, kind of playing with that. And it it sounds hot because as long as you're consistent, you know, if you do it for just one or two bars, it might sound weird, but if it's like that's your flow, then it sounds hot. It's called polyrhythms. A lot yeah. of people don't understand that, like, an artist like E40 or Silk the Shocker, people always like, yo, they're rapping off beat, and they're not. If a drummer played the pattern that they were rapping to, you would see, oh, this is just a different rhythm but it's not offbeat. First of all, no rapper is trying to be offbeat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who the fuck wants to be offbeat? We just want to be on the beat in an interesting way that catches your attention. 100%. And you could say the same thing about production too. It's like, you know, what makes a Dilla beat a Dilla beat is like the swing and the way that the drums are not to a metronome in a typical way, you know? And- and to the Dilla point, like everybody loves Dilla now, but there were a lot of years there where they were like Dilla messed up tribe. And like, it was like, there was not, everybody was in love with Dilla's patterns. Uh, it had to, people had to understand how to do it. Sometimes when yeah. the audience is saying that, that the art is broken, they just don't understand the art yet. You know? Yeah, totally. Right. It's now now you have like professional jazz dudes like copying that feel like Robert Glasper and you know straight up like are just like they're copying the way Dilla programmed his drums and now that's become like the new jazz you know it's cool awesome yeah great great point okay what What up Kay hey yeah so I wanted to know so how did you guys meet we met um we met at a blind date session at uh joseph Lineberg's studio are you guys familiar with joseph Lineberg? No. break it down Blind day. oh okay i thought you were joking i was like oh okay no oh. that's just what i say when i do sessions with people for the first time okay um but anyways yeah we just it just got set up through our management or something um yeah and we ended up making a crazy song actually I had a uh, crazy night, actually. The show was fun as fuck. Yeah, I don't know if I'll go into the details of the night, but it was definitely a funny um, precedent to start a, a working relationship. But 
I mean, such, especially to like someone that you've never met in life. <laughs> yeah. Never see like a picture of this, this person. Like I'm just yeah. going to meet a producer to make a track. And we ended up making music, actually made some like tracks that were really interesting and kind of different. And I think that's probably what like made us hook up again. But we had friends come through. We had a little party in the studio. We were drinking some Japanese whiskey. My homegirl came through. Like we had fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it, was, it was a party. That's great. No, that's cool. And it was so was so I know that Swervin you was 2017, right? And you know, that is to me my favorite, maybe my favorite Fat Tony song. Um, but we like we, did you collaborate before that? Because you yeah, been around a long time. I think that might have been maybe that might have been the second or third time we got together. Yeah. Tony just came over to my crib and we just recorded that in the kitchen on my focus. Right. Yeah. I was still like somewhat new to producing uh, at the time. So I didn't. And have I was new to working with strangers. I, I had never done that before. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think actually if you listen closely, like you can hear, at some point in his verse, like you could hear like an ambulance from outside driving by or something. But yeah, it was recorded in my studio loft in the kitchen in downtown LA. <laughs> yeah, man. And yeah. I knew that song was like gonna be be good because we were really excited about it. And mm -hmm. I played Tay's mix for this guy that's like a pop producer. And he gave me all these notes on how it like doesn't sound finished, it sounds rough. You could tighten up this. The the uh, uh, vocal could could sound cleaner. And in my mind, hearing him cite all the imperfections made me think, "Oh, people are gonna like this song," and they did. Yeah, <laughs> oh. straight up. Yeah, no, it, it's Pop, baby. When you know, yeah, man. When you know you're good, and you find someone who can see how you can be better, it's it's the best, you know. Uh, Tony, who was that trashing my mix? I'll fight them. <laughs> His name was E Mod Royal. You ever heard of him? I M A D Royal. Yeah, he's <laughs> E Mod's my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's like our homie too. He was he was like yeah. signed to, to to like Ricky's label and shit. But yeah, I like I was like sent him the track and he was like, man, it doesn't sound like y'all finished it. And I was like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So like me, I always like music that doesn't sound perfectly clean mm. like i even think like some like like you know prince who who was a pop mm -hmm. star yep, if yep, you yep. read about him in the studio he would purposely have things in like the red sometime because he wanted it to sound gritty his like lynn drum machine he would run it through boss pedals for like a fucking echo effect chorus effect which automatically is going to degrade the quality of the audio but that's what makes it funky that's right. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now you have now you have 100 gex doing that peaking all their songs or jpeg mafia whose vocals sound like it was recorded like on his iphone but that's what makes it hard like yeah yeah that's... i have i have a whole rant against 80s drum machines that like they are the worst and like it was it's a new technology, so everyone was forced to do it, right? Um, and so, like, I think it ruined a lot of people in the era, and Prince survived it. 
because exactly what you're saying, he programmed errors into the drum machine mm-hmm. because he knew it would be friggin' annoying to just have this hit perfectly every time. Yeah. Three minutes. Yeah. I think the secret to those, to that era of the drum machine and people that use it best are people who didn't try to treat it like a regular drummer. Like let's try to program stuff that a human being can't play and make the drum machine its own instrument. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love that. The, um, so yeah, with, with, it was a big, you know, you've had some, some big years and 2020 was a big year uh, because I think you got to flex wake up with, with that was just boldly danceable. And like you find and loud, you find a lot. And, and But by the way, dark, you know, like yeah, dark, but danceable. And these are not things you find in the underground, right? Like in, in, in hip hop, like, uh, the space we reside in, there's a lot of like very thoughtful, very sad music. There's a lot of people barring out, uh, but it's you don't typically find that. And then the concept album of Exotica is so, and that is so like that's the concept album most people don't make. Most people make the loose concept album. Um, not the book of human language type of thing. Yes. And, and you went to book of human language lane on that. Uh, so you, I, have- I love that album, by the way, it's an amazing AC alone. Amazing album. Shout out to the dad bod rap pod that put me on all that stuff. Um, I'm a big project blow fan. Yeah, no, it's so I would say you, you gave people two entirely different looks that year. Um, and you've been around forever. Are you, are you, still getting new fans and new people tuning in and being like, holy shit, I'm going to do the back catalog. Is it like, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the same way you have a kid every day whose new favorite band is like the Beatles or Stevie wonder or something like there's always, I feel like long as you're staying active and by active, I mean, going on tour, playing shows, putting out new music, that's just a lane for people to find out about all that you've done. Like, I really love, from like 2020 on, it's, it's probably my favorite place as an artist, because by that point I had made so many records that any new fan I met, I'm giving you all this shit to like dig into. And I'm the same way with, with um, artists. Like, like back in 2019, 2020, I got really into Larry June. And what I loved about him is he had so many albums that I didn't need to wait on him to drop something new. Like he has shit that every month I could listen to a new record and just find my favorite songs from it. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great description. And and so, and when you, in terms of fandom and the rules, I would say it doesn't matter when you come in, it's how deep you get it. Right. Uh, You like that. I've been I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people where they're telling me about their favorite artist and I engage with them and I'm like I know more about your favorite artist than you do and it's not like (laughs) and that's not my favorite artist like it's just yeah you know but it's about how deep you want to go and what your level of um, yeah engagement is. This a lot of people just just kind of skim through music you know a lot of people. 
will have a favorite artist and they only know they're like top five songs on Spotify and they end there, <laughs> which is cool too. Like, I don't think that there's any right or wrong way to be a fan unless you're like complaining about shit all the time. But, you know, for the people that want to go deeper, you have to give them a catalog. And I think if you want to make like some real fans that are going to stick with you, you have to put out tons of stuff because you have to keep giving them material to dig into and to learn about, you know? And and that was a question I had for you, Tony, which is like, there's lots of people creating lots of content and they're just kind of finding dope beats and rapping awesome words on them, right? And it's like, Boom, song done, moving it, right? Move, song done, moving it. Uh, five, six, seven albums a year. Your song, your song is kind of way more than that. Like, whenever Fat Tony speaks, something's happening. Something important's happening. There's a story going on. Um, mm. You, I don't think you just do songs to do songs. And like we last week, we were talking to D2X from Chicago. He only has two albums. This last album, Hotel 1105, he was like, I shared more than I've ever shared. My marriage was collapsing. And people love it. It's it's going nuts. It's getting lots of appreciation. And he's in the early stages of the, if I gut myself and make myself cry, I'm actually closer to the finish line. Totally. And you are at the other end of that where you're very aware of that. Um, am I right? Does that make sense? Yeah, man. I actually just like saw not to be all like internet, but I saw like a TikTok or something recently with Carlos Santana. And he was saying that if you want people to get chills from your music, you have to give yourself chills first. Yes. And I think all of my songs that are the most popular, like a swerving are all songs that when they were made, I would play them on repeat. Like, like I was a fan of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and I remember giving, like, you know, I was in the spoken word scene and I was, you know, doing my own writing. And I remember the hardest shit for me to do whenever I handed it to my people I trusted, they were like, this is crazy. Like, this is your best work. You know, like, it, it that's just how it works out. But you you understand that i think because of that this is one of the most nakedly emotional albums i've heard in 2023 this is a hell of an album from mm. a writing perspective um thank you it really is and i i want to get i want to dig into that with k k how did you feel about this uh so i listened to i listened to wake up and i really i'm going i'm going what is it i'm going to make a baby in this damn economy I, damn it I, I I will make a baby in this damn economy. In this damn economy, yeah. Um, and you're right. I did see there was a shift uh, between, like I did, like you said, wake up. There was a lot of energy to it. There was it was very. I think the word you used was loud. This mm-hmm. one felt a little bit more subdued in a little, a little, a lot of ways to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, particularly like the the ending part, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see a, a shift between the two, like between the two albums in the three year span that they came out. Yeah. I mean, my whole idea making this album, 
I was really listening to DJ Quick's album, Trauma. I was really listening to Scarface's album, The Fix. And those are both albums that those artists made in their 30s. And I turned 35 this year. And I felt like at this stage in my life as an artist, if I talk about things that are more vulnerable, if I talk about things where I'm like trying to give, you know, game to people or wisdom or or like advice, I felt like that's a better use of my time as an artist because mm-hmm. I think it's important, at least to me, it's important for your audience to see you grow in your music. Yeah. And I've always thought that it was kind of lame sometimes with certain artists when they kind of stay in like the same themes their whole life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Without trying to touch on something else, even if it feels like it's uncomfortable or it's vulnerable because there's always someone out there that will hear that and it will have an impact on them that they really need. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, making, making, before I had this making jokes of like, so-and-so has been killing people for 30 years, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to do, you know, Uh, as you get older and maybe the game will be killing people for 30 years. Who knows? Um, he could, but it, I would say <laughs> he could be like that. But no, but you have. But I was actually listening today. Out of three, I make weird playlists. So I was listening to song for song, Doja Cat, Sauce Waka from Gospel Three, and The Fix, right? Mm. And I had that three person weave going, and I was just like, holy shit! Like this was such an incredible time for Face, like. Uh, to have my block and in cold blood and and safe like the extremes of Scarface's emotional like bandwidth was just something else. Yeah, man, he's a really important artist to, to me. And about the fix, so I read his autobiography, and I remember him saying that was the first album that he made where he did not think about what people would think about the album, how much money it would make, how many hits it would have. He was like, that was the first time in my life that I went into the studio and I wasn't like, I need to finish this so I can get money. He was just like, I'm going to write whatever is in my head and on my heart and in my life and in my friend's life and in, you know, stories I've heard in like books and in movies and there's all that type of shit. And I think it makes sense why that album was not only loved by his fans, loved by critics, but it sold well too. Yep. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, there's a, there's an ease to that album that isn't sometimes with the other albums. Um, yeah. Tadex, it feels like from wake up to, I will make a baby in this damn economy. Uh, there's kind of, there's more colors. It feels like it's there's a lot more colors, uh, and it opens up some really interesting mood shifts. Uh, how did you how did you tie that together? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what I was saying. It's just like anytime we link up, it's like, okay, what are we feeling today? Let's listen to some shit. Let's vibe, and uh, I think that we're capable of making any kind of vibe or mood. You know, any kind of beat. So it's just 
what resonates the most with us that day. Um, and I think making a thoughtful track order was very important so that it mm -hmm. felt like cohesive as you listen to the whole album, because if you put it on shuffle, it might not make this, it might not make sense in the same way. Um, so I think we, Tony and I both kind of went back and forth and we're pretty thoughtful about the order of the songs. So what, I would say, uh, what did you learn from the process of making Wake Up that helped you make the, the new album? Like, what are some lessons that you took away? Um, well, Wake Up was kind of our first time just like really locking in and making a project together, obviously. So mm -hmm. I think uh, we're just a lot more comfortable with each other this time around. Um, and we're like better friends now. So I think that shows in the music, you know, we're just like having fun and it's it just feels more natural. Um, on Wake Up, I think there are a lot of like flashes of brilliance. Um, and I think we really honed in on that on that this time around and kind of like refined it. Oh, and you guys, like that's another thing I, I put in the breakdown, which was like, you guys always get me to fall in love with a new artist. And uh, I mean, Omaha with Clarence James, mm -hmm. I just found his album and I was like, holy shit. I, I ran that album the rest of the year. Um, yeah, he's dope. Clarence from Austin, he's killing it. So um, yeah really good to, to me Kay, we we always talk about runs of songs right important runs on mm -hmm. albums of songs to me this has two really important runs that are kind of right next to each other uh so i my, the first run is baby boy number four through we still here right mm -hmm. specifically alexis into we still here is incredible uh to me it, it is really the uh i mean it, it means a lot right it, it you know alexis is an important song because there aren't enough songs making tribute to male female friendship right uh, totally i've always said like um uh, i wouldn't have gotten through the army without black women right like Black women held me down when I was goofy and fucked up, stupid, you know? Mm. <laughs> they got me on, on the right track. And so saluting that friendship is amazing. Like, it, I was right there with you. And the to go from that to, like, the funeral, we still hear, uh, and to make that sadness triumphant. I mean, that's just to start with Paul Wall and to, to, to end there is it's just really an incredible run um about relationships you know mm -hmm. um and then opportunist convention to me is like an intermezzo that separates the two runs um and kicking in which is my new ringtone nice oh <laughs> 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 all facetime <laughs> Number nine yeah, yeah. through Jasper, Texas is that second run because that second run, that's where like the darkness versus the light comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, just from a listener perspective, boss up, make a baby. That's the light, right? That's mm -hmm. that. Those are fun. Kicking in and don't tap in contusion are, are very, are dark. Uh, 
and then Jasper, Texas is just that's unlike any song I think you've ever Um, heard. Um, yeah, so that that's my take on it. Okay, the first listen, I had a hard time thinking about anything but Jasper, Texas because I followed Tony like when I was I started Free Music Empire writing about mixtapes, right? My whole Free Music Empire means like quit complaining about music. You can get great music for free mm-hmm. on these sites. That was the whole tribute of it. So I remember looking at Smart Ass Black Boy and being like, this is the hardest shit ever, you know, uh, in 2013. So for you to go from there to doing something like Jasper, Texas, and that being the last song, like that just dominated my whole understanding of the album first, the first list. Yeah, man. And and even on that Smart Ass Black Boy album, the last song, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's like a bunch of wild stories from like the first verse is about this like child slave that gets killed by one of his slave owners. The middle verse is about the watch riot. The last verse is about modern times and like Trayvon Martin, which had just happened when I was making that album. Um, I am really into making the final song on an album, like a somber one or a ballad, because I think if you put that track too early in the album, then it's it's kind of taking you away from all the other music and all the other themes and all the lyrics. But if you put it at the end and the album finishes playing, then you have a moment of pause to really take it in. But I'm really happy that you noticed that. That is all through uh, the album. Like Lexus, there's a song about friendship. We still hear a song about a friend passing away. Make a Baby, a, a song about birth. That's right before Jasper, Texas, a song about death. You know, I'm the type of person that is really into thinking about the light and the dark all at once because I think... You can't have an appreciation for one without the other. And both things are always going to be present in all of our lives. Like there will always be some good times and some bad times. There will always be loss. There will always be wins. You know what I mean? There will always be grief of, of loved ones passing away. And there will always be friends or our, or ourselves having children. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just a part of the human experience. And I like to examine that stuff. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. The um, and and I think the the baby song, the make a baby song, is one of the most romantic songs of the of the year. And I think it. I was. I'm just so happy because there are so few songs where guys want babies. You know. Yeah. There's so few <laughs> that are like, thankfully, it's a baby. You know, like. <laughs> God is like, how do I get rid of this fast? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, guys, guys aren't raised to think about having a baby, and and, and, um, yeah, you know, so it's it's interesting. So, and that was so well done, uh, so sincere, uh, to go from that to Jasper, Texas is incredible, because it you're a very approachable. Uh, right, you're in terms of your writing, you're very conversational, you're very direct. Uh, yeah. you don't tend to confuse the listener. Mm. Uh, Jasper, Texas was 
was like, because just because I'm approachable doesn't mean you can put me in your pocket. I'm leading this. Yeah. So. Now, I, I have a question. Now, did did the song come before the album title or did the album title come before the song? The, I, the album title came from that song. And when when like we were trying to figure out what to name the album, I was looking at all the lyrics, and that was one that I felt kind of summed up what the album is all about to me, which is basically like, you know, we have some good times, we have some bad times, we have pain, we have joy, but no matter what, we still have hope and have the optimism for there to be a fucking tomorrow, not not just a better tomorrow, but a tomorrow period. And I think with that title, that is something that really came up a, a lot during like the lockdown of the pandemic. So many friends of mine around my age were like, yo, what's happening to our world? Do we even want to have parents? Do, do we even want to have kids? Many of my friends, you know, decided that with the world going the way it is, they don't feel right doing that, you know? And for a lot of people, me and Tay's age, family planning or doing anything in life, it always comes back to the dollar, right? right? Can I afford to buy a home? Can I afford to raise a family? Can I afford to have a comfortable life? Or is life going to be easier if I keep living the way I have been that I'm already fully accustomed to? And I think with that title, I'm kind of saying that you can do something that feels as daunting and as scary as having a child in a world where you're unsure of what that tomorrow is going to be. Because if you have, in my mind, if you have the right mindset and are able to put action around your thoughts, you can make whatever you want happen. Mm. Yeah, because I just thought it was such an interesting choice. I mean, for me, like ending, ending on Jasper was an interesting choice. But having the the song that the album is named after be like the second to last song was was such an interesting choice to me as well you know because like i think of like dan i like we talk about like you know the album title is so important because for me that was almost like the thesis like when i read an album title it's almost like the thesis of the album like i should yeah kind of have a feeling what the okay. album's about just by the album title. I mean, and that's my personal like thing. So to have like the 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 namesake song be at the end, like right in front of the Jasper song was like really interesting to me. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean I was just gonna say I think it's it's uh, like yeah, yeah. Um it's still a hopeful album with a lot of, you know, I think encouraging words and positivity but like having that jasper at the end is just like don't forget there's shit that's still fucked up <laughs> mm, totally right. and far as album titles and like the song that's the album title i always think about the bdp album criminal minded which is like my favorite song on that album and i think it's the last song or like second to the last song on it but it really sums sums up what the album is about really in like my mind more than the song itself but the album art like the album art of like them holding up guns and stuff and it's super dark like and they're wearing shades and it's nighttime 
you know, that's that's like showing like the mentality of like them as a group, which is we're gonna get it by any means necessary. Yep. And K, if I'm I'm gonna go full over analysis on the title, the title is kind of like the album because I will make a baby is a very romantic statement. Like it's not just an affirmation of wanting to make the baby. It's like, this is the person I should make a baby with, which is very Mm -hmm. good. Right. So it's about relationships, right? The second half in this damn economy shows the frustration that is throughout the album and uh, a continuing theme of fat Tony being very aware that the economy is all fucked up. So which you know from Exotic, the big theme. Totally. Uh, it's, yeah, it, the world is fucked up, is the end of that sentence. Mm. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yep. Which I definitely feel is like what life truly is. Like, we are always like, like I have friends that don't watch the news. Like, like I have a friend who's like, I purposely didn't pay attention to the news for a year. And I don't really like that because just because you close your eyes to it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen or people aren't going to be suffering. So you being ignorant to it isn't a way for you to be peaceful or be positive. It's kind of selfish, maybe, to me. You know That's a privilege. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's what's the, like, what's your answer to that, to people who have, that mentality like because essentially it's like i can't watch news because it's bad for my mental health like what would you say to people who feel that type of way well i think when you do have something negative happen in your life or your loved one's life or some tragedy happen it's just gonna rock you harder because you've been so blind to it it's it's like people who avoid going to therapy and they wait until they have like a midlife crisis or like a breakdown that is way more difficult because you don't have the toolkit to deal with those things. But I think if you deal with things head on, as more L's come and more losses come, you are prepared for it. Like if you're healthy and you're conscious and you're doing the, the right things to keep your mental health straight, when you have a problem, you have a toolbox of phrases to say to yourself, breathing exercises, journaling, whatever your thing might be that you can go to instead of flipping out. Like, oh, this like, guy is like being rude to me and he's making me so mad I want to fight him. But I know in my head that there are better ways to deal with this that will keep me safer and keep him safer. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think that argument is interesting. I think it's it's very akin to like, you know, when you meet a couple, you're like, when you're in a couple, all of a sudden you're double dating with other couples, right? Yeah. And that's weird because you're sometimes in different places in the relationship. And so yep. you you meet a couple, you're like, oh man, they never fight. And they, they break up like a month later. Totally. I have definitely had that happen to me. Where like my like partner is like, yo, well, they're all lovey dovey or something. I'm like, they've been dating for like a few months. 
know what I mean? Like they don't live together yet. They don't, they don't, they like haven't gotten to that, to that stage yet. And I'm the kind of person that really is kind of against the grass is green on the other side type of thinking, yeah. because rather than worry about the grass on the other side, just water your, your own grass, pay attention to what you have going on in your life and make that the best that it can be and make that the dream life that you really want rather than trying to throw everything out and start over every time that you're unhappy about something. Like you don't just quit a job because you have like one argument with a coworker. You know what I mean? You like keep it pushing. You like find a way to make this work. Because if you want to hit the reset button every time you ha you have a problem, you're going to run out of time and run out of chances. And at some point, you're going to have fewer opportunities in front of you. And now what? Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things I would say, which is the weird thing for me, because when people are like, oh, you know, I only listen to like a few songs on Spotify or whatever, like my first thought is not like, oh, you don't know anything. My first thought is like, Oh, you're missing out on this mental health shit. Like, yeah. Like, I've got songs in my head all fucking day. Like, um, you know, I, I was telling somebody, like, there was a special thing where they were like, this thing's been fucked up for we for years. And we got to fix it now. And they were like, Dan, you've got to be in a conference room every day for like three weeks for eight hours, just hashing out specific documents and specific, you know, whatever. And I I couldn't listen to music, which is my diet, right? I'm always listening to music mm. every day. I swear to God, I was I was humming some little songs and beating them on the table. Nice. Like they were like, he's, "What are you fire?" Doing? I was like, <laughs> what it is, man. She's in my head, like, and it got me through it, man. I, I, you know, I'm connected to that music, and it it moves me through the day. Um, it's like, yo, do you do you want me to get my job done or not? If you want me to get my job done, let me listen to some fucking music. <laughs> and, and you can you know, like you if you look at the cover to I will make a baby in this damn economy, it's it's rich with characters. There's characters yes, all man. over the place. Yeah. People doing interesting things and like you know, you you and Tadex are in the back rapping and there's you know of people drinking and cavorting and having fun, but in the middle is a funeral. There's a tombstone. Like so yeah. But the colors are so bright, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a real cool thing that you guys have done where I think you're both well aware of it. That you're you've mixed the bad news and the good news together, like to the point where it's not entirely distinguishable all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. And I and and to go back to Tadex's point. You know, I think that's why it's healthy for us to go into the studio every day and him ask me, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What is on my mind? Because every day isn't the same. Right. Every day I'm thinking about something different. I might wake up feeling fucked up. I might wake up feeling angry. I might wake up feeling really happy. I might wake up feeling like I want to party. And I think when you treat music like the human mind you get better songwriting out of it yep. and then just giving yourself the time to go through many moods then you have an album that can touch on all these different places 
And once you become a fan of the album, when you're in a certain mood, you're like, oh, I want to hear Baby Boy. I'm in a Baby Boy mood. Or yep. I'm going out tonight. I want to hear Kicking In. Or I just got married. I want to hear Make a Baby. You know, just what, whatever. Or oh, someone's annoying me. I, I want to listen to Don't Tap In. Right, like right, you can right. go back to it and find a song that fits how you're feeling in that moment. Yep. Tadex, I wanted to put you on the spot. In terms of runs on the album, what would you say is your favorite run of songs um, in the track list? Great question. Favorite run of songs. Pull it, pull it up. Let's <laughs> see. Turn some lights on right here. Shout out to the great Harriet Brown. Putting work on this album. Oh, Harry Brown's the shit. He's the man. That's one of my best Harry friends. And also, oh. shout out, shout out, Neve Bavarsky, who did the cover art. Oh, yes, artist, one of my really good friends. He killed it. Absolutely. I told him we need people line dancing because there was a video of Tony DJing oh, yes. that he posted on Twitter, <laughs> and it was like these like forty or fifty year olds like line dancing to uh two on by Tanache. <laughs> and I was like, we need, we need that energy on our album art. That's amazing. Yeah, man. I mean, um, that's another thing about this album I love. We had so many more friends on this project than on Wake Up. Like, we had way more features on this project. Yep. We had more people playing instruments. We had more people making beats alongside Tay. Like, it really felt like a project that's about our family, our our you know, music community. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the cool um, part about growth, right? Is like you grow, uh, you know, doing the projects you've done and Tadex grows and then you come back and you're like, oh shit, now let's go. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, but as far as favorites, okay. From a musical standpoint, the mm. first four tracks are really exciting to me because I mean spectacular in the best believe they're in the same key so I think they mm -hmm. flow really nicely and then vibe check and baby boy also in the same key so I just felt like like hit the spot for me as far as the sonics of it um and then from more of the like storytelling perspective kind of what you were saying earlier about Alexis into we still here it's like we're cherishing friendship and then in two different ways, you know, cherishing our friends while they're here. And then after the fact, and uh, we still here was right around the time. One of my best friends passed away and making that song was super cathartic. Like I actually got goosebumps in the studio and I just felt like that good energy because I was with Tony and Harriet Brown and Wes Singerman and Connor those are like all like my best friends in one place. And it just felt like, I don't know, it felt amazing to make that that day. And um, even listening back to it now, I still get goosebumps. And then of course, Make a Baby in Jasper, Texas for obvious reasons, like you said, it's like, you know, the yin and the yang, so. Yeah, the yin and the yang right there, absolutely. Yeah, man, those Honest, the honestly, Tadex, it was really important for me to make the We Still Here song, not just you talking about your friend that passed, but seeing you post about him on Instagram and like seeing all these pictures of y'all growing up together and mm -hmm. just really feeling like 
this is more than like just a friend that died. This is like someone that could be my like brother. We like could have the same parents. We like lived our whole lives doing the same things up until he wasn't here anymore. And for me, I felt like I had to go above and beyond and really deliver a song that if you read the lyrics, you could feel like I could say these. Yeah, 100%. You nailed it. And I know you're no stranger to grief either, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah, so it just, it felt like, it felt right to make that. And this, and it's cool too, also, Alexis has this kind of somber tone in the music. Mm-hmm. And then we still hear a super joyous sounding, you know? So yeah, I like yeah. that kind of juxtaposition too. But it's also like, we still hear, if you listen to what he's saying, he's just like totally broken inside you know yeah um, and one of the real important there's like a few weird lyrical moments that stick in my head uh and they never they're never linear because it's the tony you know but uh the you know the mariachi band it was beautiful just like just sitting in that sorrow and being like but they but they fucking killed it the mariachi band right and like yeah. it's uh that's such a cool fat tony line the other one I think there's a point in the album where he says, you know, if you look like Bjork, you've got a shot with me. Basically. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. If you look like Bjork, we're vibing. Yay. Yes. Yo, so that much. is 1000% true. I love by it. the way, Shorty looks like is, Bjork. She is the baddest woman to ever make music in my world. <laughs> Here he is. You know, there's like there's like dialogue in shows that establishes a character. Like that's like <laughs> that's the dialogue that establishes the character. You're like, oh, I know this guy. Uh, this yeah, is- I'm like blushing thinking about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it it's really an impressive run, an impressive holistic experience. Um, it's gotten better and better every time I've listened to it. I've learned every time I've listened to it. Um which some it's some it's hard to explain because like I said, you're conversational and direct, but there's still a lot of layers to what you do. Um, and I think that's both of you basically. Um, you know, and that's why this this works really well. Um, and it's a relationship you guys should keep keep moving. Um yeah. Ready for the next one. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah, this this time next year we gotta talk again about the next album. Doing it, doing it. Any anything uh, favorite songs K on here besides uh, we talk Jasper Texas? Uh, yeah. I mean, let me pull up the track list. I think the run before. Sorry, let me get the. It was the run before Make a Baby. I think it was Opportunist Convention, Kicking It, Don't Tap In, and Boss Up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Boss Up's hard, and also Tadex Little Brother plays on Boss Up. Oh, That's right. and on and and on Jasper, Texas too, right? Yeah, my my little bro, he's uh he just turned eighteen. Um, he played the keys on Boss Up and also trombone on Boss Up and the solo that you hear on Jasper, Texas. That's him on the trombone. Yes, bro, crazy. That shit, crazy. He's a beast. <laughs> no, it's a you know. Uh, by the way, spectacular is a great opening song. It's yeah, it's thank you. Fun. Um, I before we. Close. Go to recommendation quarter. I would like to close with uh, a little Paul Wall rant 
because every every once in a while Paul Wall will show up on a song with someone who you know uh, the world doesn't see him you know working with usually and they'll be like this is actually a pretty good Paul Wall verse wow Paul Wall's fire don't Look at put some Wall fucking respect on my man's name come on yeah, when man. is when is he not sliding and I was like, dude, all this guy does is sell grills and rap and rap well. That's all he does. Like the <laughs> yeah. only thing this dude does. And like, how in the world are you not like how are you not a We had the Johnny him? Dang reference from Cadence Weapon on Vibe Checks. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it, it, Paul Wall kills it. He kills it everywhere. And I'm, it's so weird to me that that it's not acknowledged. Like if you know if you listen to this and you hate Paul Wall, please DM me through Twitter. Send me your <laughs> ten worst Paul Wall verses. Good luck. Yeah, I mean he has a big place in uh, my life because when I was going from eighth grade to high school during that summer, him and Cam put out an album called "Get Your Mind Correct." Paul Wall and Chameleonaire used to be a duo. And they were either in their late teens or early 20s. And they were the first Houston rappers that I felt like were closer to my generation, right? And their whole approach to it was we're like doing a lot of classic musical tropes that Houston rappers do far as slang and references and some of the beat choices, but they were also young enough to be into like barring out. Like they were young enough to be like more adjacent to like a backpack rapper or like indie rappers. Like this album came out in 2002, right? So it's around the same time that like MERS and ASAP Rock and Atmosphere and all this shit's happening. And they were definitely tuned into that shit too and, and on the internet. And I really appreciated them being people who were like, yo, we're trying to spit. We're trying to give you bars. Like, 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 like we want you to look at us as lyricists. And I like the dynamic that they had where like Cam was more of the spitter in a, in a traditional sense, like a Bun B and Paul Wall is more like a Pimp C artist where it's more about the, character the vocal tone saying things that are colorful and off the wall you know what i mean yeah it was i a friend described it and said once like i know bun b's the better rapper but the line i always remember always comes from pipsy yeah i mean what i love about the ugk stuff is you have bun who's like a spitter spitter which is always refreshing to our ears who are like rap people and you have Pimp, pimp C who can be very vulnerable and very sad and very dark and also be very cocky and be very funny. Like there's like UGK records that I've heard hundreds of times that if I'm in a certain mood, I'll put them on and I'll start crying. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Mostly from the emotional content of the Pimp C verse. Yeah, we mm. like I remember we were at a cookout. I don't think this was in Texas. I think it was in Korea, but we put on one day by UGK mm. and we, they were, they brought it back, played it twice in a row. Uh, it, it's just that kind of song. But 
they put, that is like the opposite of our album. They like started their album off with like the saddest song. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, and so it's it. Uh, the thing about Paul Wall, to your point, I don't think people know him that way. Like Texas shit, they don't know that chameleonaire group stuff, right? Yeah. Where, you know, when it was pointed out to me, I was like, wow, you know, like it was. So you have like. We know more about New York rappers, you know, as they come up in the early stages and phases than we do like people from Texas. And I think people only saw him once he was, you know, humorous to them. Um, yeah. And they disregard. That and he's and he's white and they're probably looking at him like, I mean, he's he is probably the coolest white rapper of all time. I would say, at least in my opinion, my favorite white rappers of all time are definitely him and the Beastie Boys. And I feel like what they share is they're both people that when you hear them rhyme, you feel like they're being who they are and aren't trying to be something else. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a great point. He's somebody who never comes up in those bad white rapper discussions. <laughs> yeah, never, never. <laughs> I think that's problematic king. I, yeah. you know what? I, I My cheat code here. I think the reason he never comes up, it, same reason Mac Miller never comes up, right? The, neither of those guys tried to take over the world. You're a white rapper and you try and take over the world. That's when it gets sticky, right? Yeah. Like, uh, but those guys were good citizens, right? Good yeah. solid citizens. They put people on. They repped for other people. Uh, their names were always solid in their in the community. So. It's that's They're like more like people that you grew up with, like, like maybe if you're not from like Houston, you might think the way that Paul Wall talks is like weird because he's a white guy. But all of my white friends growing up talk like Paul Wall because it's not about his like race. It's about the fucking culture that he comes from. Yep. Same with a Mac Miller being like a Pittsburgh kid that's like a stoner and might sell weed from time to time and it's kind of like a dirt bag but he's lovable and he's fucking obsessed with like 90s rap music there's so many people like that that we've known in our lives or yeah. or the beastie boys who are like gators and punk rockers but they're rappers too and they might dress like they're skaters but they're still rapping and they're working with like some of the best black artists and also making sure to pay like reverence to them too. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I just wanted to put that on record because I think Paul Wall is, has done some amazing work and, you know, should be beloved for that. But I will get, I'll get into recommendation corner and I'm going to start, I'm going to come back to Paul Wall, but uh, first I'm going to go with mirror neurons. This is where we recommend stuff for people to listen to mirror okay. neurons. BK Habermal, who oh yeah, she's fired, killed it on on I will make a baby in this damn economy. Yeah, uh, BK, twenty one minutes, six songs, really dope, dope project. Uh, BK mm. Habermal, look, look at on streaming, super dope. Uh, I love that song, Caramel. Oh, the caramel, but they're all really good. Those man. The other one, and and I don't always listen to Jill Scott, but 
Jill Scott is always there for me. Mm-hmm. When I, you know, when I need some Jill Scott, I tap in. So I tapped into the light of the sun uh, from 2011. Um, Damn, I have not heard that. I, I loved her first album. Loved Classic. it. The, the Who Is Jill Scott album. Sound, I, I like love. Yes. I love how she blended the culture at that time of like neo soul and like spoken word and like a hip hop producer too. She has all of that mixed into one album and it feels like an album that she's performing live at a, at a cafe or something because of all the interludes. And I've, I've always said that I, I think the only thing that we had against Jill Scott was she was so talented. We didn't really know how to absorb all of her talent. Like, yeah. you know, she was singing, she was rapping, she was doing spoken word. We were like, whoa, uh, it was blinding. But that's why I can kind of pull up anything she does and still really enjoy. This album has Dougie Fresh on it, Paul Wall, Anthony Hamilton. Uh, Damn. The Paul Wall song is so gone. What my mind says, it's okay, a, bro. It's a sex I'm song. Tap in. It's a okay. sex song. <laughs> That's a sex verse. Like it's I'm about to listen to that as soon as we get off this podcast. It's amazing. Oh no. It's good. Um I will also stay with let me stay with my Texas shit here because there's an album that's really been like I'm I'm almost you know the journalist, the music journalist in me doesn't want to put it on my list as high as it is because it's just knucklehead music, but it's so fucking good. Uh, it's Lone Star Luchador by that Mexican OT. Oh, fire artist. And, and his uh, Paul Wall song, Johnny Dang, is uh, crazy. Crazy. And Maxo Cream, Opera 2, that's crazy. Uh, Love Maxo Cream. Oh, man. 18 songs. It, it like, he's his flow is so dope. He's just yes. this stuttery like thing with his mouth that's so incredible. Um, yes. <laughs> I can't get away from the album, dude. Like I there's fancier music that I should be putting on. I'm just like, it's time for time for Mexican OT. It's time for Johnny. Yeah. Like it, I it, like ignorant music. It's fucking great. Uh it's just there's a primal knucklehead energy that is wonderful. The skits are wonderful. Uh, it's just nuts. Uh really good times. Uh, and he seems to be a good dude. Like he seems to be out there. Yeah. Fun. So he's really funny. Yeah. Base is he? Was it Bay Bayside? What is was he from? Uh, yeah, Bayside Bay is City, like a Bay suburb City. of. Um, he's from Bay, Bay City. City is is like a suburb of like Houston. That's like southeast of Houston. Good stuff. Wow. This Johnny Dang has forty nine million plates. Almost fifty million plays. That's crazy. Big, big song, man. It's gonna go platinum, probably. You can go platinum just in Texas. That's the fun fact. Fact. Also, the album art—it's kind of—it's not too far off from ours. For real, purple and all that. Purple and the green. Yeah, no, it's it's that's a it's a good ass listen. Uh, I fuck with all that stuff. So very fire album art. Tony, what are you listening to? What do you, what do you, I have a recommendation for for you. So the the first album I want to talk about, you can get it on YouTube. It's Bjork, her MTV unplugged performance, which is fucking amazing. I have not heard all the, 
all the instrumentation are instruments that you would not expect, like different cymbals and wind chimes and different types of percussion that are on a standard drum kit. And it's really beautiful. Her outfit is sick. She's fucking singing like like it's the it's the record. And that's a project that I discovered recently that just really has a hold on me. I probably listen to it like every week. And my other recommendation is by this rapper named Silk Money. He he put out my favorite album of last year, which is called I Don't Give a Fuck About This Rap Shit. I'ma just drop until I don't feel like it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I love the album because the the rhyming is really hard and really aggro, but he actually has a message and themes and a perspective he's trying to get out there. And I think it's unlike what any other rapper is talking about in recent years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 really interesting. And it's definitely it, it feels connected to that RX nephew kind of lane of like, you know. Is is he just talking to me? Is this is this like how is it you know? So he's somebody you really have to figure out. But once you tap in, it's there's not like it. So money. It's uh, I like artists like him or Bjork because you can tell that they think a lot. Mm. Like when 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 they're not making music, they seem like the type of people who whether they're with friends or they're totally by themselves, their mind is constantly racing about different topics and and what they think that those topics mean, how important they, they are, what what is whack about the world, what yeah. is great about the world. Like they feel like artists who are very vulnerable and very emotional and have a high IQ and their brains just never stop trying to process shit. Oh, that's a great point. Um, love it. So Taydex, what should we listen to? All right. What am I listening to? Okay. Um, Smoke City is a trip hop group from the 90s. Mm. And they have an album called Flying Away. And I discovered them because they did a a cover of the song Aguas de Marco, which is one of my favorite Bossa Nova songs. Okay. Like a trip hop dub album. I just, I got to say, I got to, Say the Spotify algorithm is really good at <laughs> recommending shit that I like. Yeah. Fuck Spotify, but the algorithm knows what I like. <laughs> Thank you for this. This Bye. looks like it's right up my alley. Yeah, it's, this looks it's, good. It's so good. Um, also, there's an artist named Yule, which is spelled Y-E-U-L-E. She's a new artist. Fire. Um, and really really dope album that she just put out and the one before i really love too um is this glitch princess is this no that's... Glitch, glitch princess is the the previous one which is amazing yeah yeah okay uh kind of uh, yeah soft scars and glitch princess they're kind of in the hyper pop world but it's also got this kind of like shoegaze thing that's really cool um you already know that we like that shit Yep. <laughs> Let's do it. That's awesome. Tisa Korean, who Tony knows very well. Great artist. I would recommend his, his last album, Let Me Update My Status. He has two songs on it that I really love. One is called Silly Moan, 
That's like a love song. I love song. Silly Mode. I love it. Silly, Silly yeah, Mode is beautiful. It, it's just so fun. He, he has another song on it called Stop Texting that I love, which is about like a girl blowing his phone up. <laughs> but it's like really happy. And what, what I love about that song is right in the middle of, of it, he just starts the song all the way over with like the same ad lib, the same intro. It's almost yeah. like he just copied and pasted like the first half of the song and just flew it into like the second half. And I asked him if he did that, and he was like, "Yeah, genius." <laughs> if you find, if you find, let me update my status. Check out the way the capitalization runs on these song titles. <laughs> Holy yeah. folks. He, he, he brought it back to when we were on AIM in the 90s, you know? No yes, shit. bro. No <laughs> After and the album is like full of all those old sounds. So there's like there's like uh, ringtone sounds, Nokia phone sounds, AOL messenger sounds, all that I shit. Love it. There. Love it. Amazing. I fuck with that. Um <laughs> one more, okay. Because yeah. Astrid Gilberto passed away recently. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. One of my favorite vocalists of all time, and I've been listening to her album. She sings the whole album in Japanese. Um, it's all like jazz standards, and it's called Gilberto Golden Japanese Album. But yeah, it's Tap in. yeah, it's really nice. That's beautiful. I didn't know she's she could sing in Japanese until recently. That shit is hard. Amazing. Great music to like wake up to, like get your coffee going, put that on. She's got so much stuff. Like you could just you could start from five five different languages. Yeah. Anywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, she's deep with it. So Kay, what do you what do you uh what are you repping here? Nothing new this week, but you you guys gave me some good recommendations for for sure. For sure. All over the place. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. As, as always, Kay just recommends fiscal responsibility. Absolutely, know? always. Um, I like that. <laughs> I will try to tap in. You want to have a baby, it's the practical way to do it, you know? Yep. Fiscal yeah. Right. Don't max out your I fiscal. love saving money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 